welcome back to the tape deck. My name is Rob Mora, and I will be hopefully providing a distraction from the hellscape that is America. Today is July 10th, 2020. I am exhausted. There's no reason for me to be exhausted. I'm just exhausted. So hopefully that's a mood that you can relate to. Um, I cannot believe how both slow and fast this year is moving by. It's utterly astounding to me. It's just that in this warped confluence of space and time and events and horror and tragedy and devastation, we're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about is who I am interviewing for this podcast. This is Nicole Swims, front person of the Seattle band Black Ends. They have an EP out today, right now, that you can go check out called Stay Evil. It's on their band camp. I'm going to sell it to you. $5, you get one of the most exciting EPs I've heard this year, and I'm not even kidding. I'll have a piece about it out on Monday. It has been a couple of weeks since I put out anything on the website. I apologize for that. I've been dealing with some stuff. I'm not going to go too into it because everyone's got their own problems, but I'm still writing. The pieces are coming next week, and if you don't want to wait for that, I'm still putting out an article every Saturday. If you have subscribed to the Patreon, Go to patreon.com slash the tape deck. We've got stuff there. We've got retrospective reviews on old albums. We've got a bunch of them now, so basically buying into those. And of course, you get early access to this podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff. Go check that out. Check us out, of course, on tapedeckpodcast.com. I hope you guys have a happy Friday. Friday. Fuck, I'm so tired. Enjoy this interview, please. Today with me on the podcast, I've got Nicole Swims. They are the lead singer slash guitarist of highly anticipated Seattle band Black Ends. Um, and they are somebody who is pretty much leading the charge along with a numerous other BIPOC musical artists that are including, but certainly not limited to people like the Black Tones, Tris Leches, Guayaba, Relby Free, all of these people who are advancing Seattle's musical legacy. Uh, and I super, super respect them. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I want to ask this question that I've been asking pretty much everybody I've been coming into contact with who isn't my boyfriend. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get through. Uh, today has been a good day, but some some days are better than others, you know. I can imagine. Are you, are you still in the middle of complete quarantining or are you working at the moment? I'm not working right now, actually. Um, oh, good. Yeah, this is kind of great, but... It, it is one of those weird situations. I feel like we're three months into this quarantine and we still are in this complete unknown period where we're all wondering, like, should we go out? Should we work? Should we try as hard as we can to stay inside? Like, how much do we risk? Like, I feel like it's just a constant source of anxiety for so many people, myself included. So yeah. I feel like... Yeah, I've already, I, have, I was scared to go outside before this and now it's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, fucking seriously. Um... <laughs> oh, so I'm 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 glad to see at least that today was good. I feel like we just sort of got to take it on day by day nature. Yeah, truly. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about this band for a second because oh my goodness gracious, I so backstory. I first heard about Black Ends when I interviewed Antonioni for the podcast a few yep. months back, I believe, because I know that they did a show with uh, you. I forget if they were with you or not, but it was at. Oh, Christ, was it the sunset? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes, excellent. Sweet, I got it right. Happy um, <laughs> and then I checked you guys out. Um, sellout was phenomenal. Thank uh, you. Fucking great. I mean, you don't have to 
take my word for it though, because people like K KXB Artist Home, they've all written about it. It's fantastic. Um, and now you've got a new EP that's coming out. I believe this podcast is coming out today, or of course it's coming out today, but it's coming out July 15th, <laughs> um, which is the day that the EP comes out. So it should be out for everyone to listen to. It's called Stay Evil. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I have pre-ordered it and I'm so, so excited for it. But they do, they did have their first single out Monday morning. So that's what I'm listening to right now. Super excited for it. Um, how long has this been in the works for? I guess since last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Since last year, um, I think that we kind of started doing it right after we like released Sellout. We kind of just started working on new songs. We, we played a lot of shows, a lot mm. of shows after, after Sellout released. And then we kind of like, we're like, hey, we should just release another EP in a couple, mm -hmm. like a couple months. So we just started working on that, like maybe like four months after Sellout came out. And wow. yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Just right back into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I find people always go back and forth. Like sometimes you release a record and you're like, I got to take a break for a second. Maybe I want to do some different things, but going right back into it, like, especially if you've got the material, I feel like EPs are really good for that. Cause you can just sort of bang out another one. Yeah. I had them. You know? I had this like kind of, uh, I've had all of these songs for so long. I kind of just want to record them and get them out and yeah. have them. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Is there any logic behind sequencing some of those songs into one EP and then sequencing them into another one? Is it like a general feel? Yeah, I definitely planned it out. Like sellout was sellout was very um, very planned out in particular. I really wanted to to have those songs together just because I wrote them. I wrote them kind of like for each other, I guess. Yeah, with each other. So, and for Stay Evil, it was kind of actually a little bit more random. I had a couple recorded and I was like, oh, this song would sound good with, with like, like uh, I have this song called I Live in the Sea, which I recorded really, we recorded that really fast. And I also had that, uh, I just like wrote that song recently and we just put those together, like all four of those songs together kind of randomly, but they sound really good together. So yeah, that's the ultimate goal, really like the foundation, so yeah. make it sound good. Yeah. yeah. I'm confident it's going to sound great. I'll be listening to it day one when it comes out today, which it will. <laughs> I was going to make it. Um, I'm fascinated with the title of the EP. It's The, the EP is called Stay Evil. Yeah. What does that imply? Is it like an order? Is it a taunt? Is it just like a simple admission of the world around us? It's it's kind of a, the, for the title song, it's called Stay Evil. And the reason I wrote that was uh, to basically... Uh, to give back at your abusers, just stay evil to get even, basically. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, just getting even with the people that have wronged you, basically, and mm. uh, just staying staying vigilant and, and uh, trying to, like, m maybe like kill them, kill them with the kindness. I guess. Yeah. So it's like it's like almost like a term of resistance. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think, yes. Yeah. It's almost. For a for a title called "Stay Evil," it sounds very empathetic, almost yeah. to, to the people who have been abused like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Ooh, I really like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the first thing I think, well, there's two things I think most people. I'm speaking for most people here, I guess, and I should be. But the the things I mentioned, or the things I I noticed, the two things I noticed listening to your stuff is the specific guitar tones you use and the voice that you use. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I guess that sort of is, that's part of the uniqueness, I think, that comes with the band, is that very, I really don't know how to describe it. I've, I know places like KVXP have, have described it as like kind of clogged sink, like kind of grungy a little bit. I hesitate to use that word, but like gunky. Well I yeah, guess bubble gum stuck to the bottom of your shoe. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I think that's that's super accurate. You know, is that just something that you sort of had in mind when you started the project, or did you discover it in a certain way, just fucking around? Like, really. I was kind of yeah, I was kind of like fucking around, and I was like, wow, this really sounds like it doesn't sound like pop music, but it's kind of just it's just gross and hooky. And, yeah, it's hooky, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's very hooky and. And the guitar kind of makes it sound a little more, more gross. So mm. I thought about the word gunk pop and put it put it together. And I was like, yeah, that, that, I think that works out well. Love. I love it. It's like, I feel like that is a new thing that people, not necessarily have started to because they've been doing it for a while, but I see a lot of bands inventing own genre words for their own music, which I think I totally 100% support because I yeah. fucking can't stand genre labels, especially nowadays. I can't either. I yeah. Actually- it's fucking it's, music is not meant to be organized anymore no you know it's just everything is just so just find some words that describe it and then be like oh yeah that's exactly what it sounds like it doesn't need to refer to anything else exactly you know um freaking uh oh and then the voice like this very specific like i don't even really know how to describe it like i can't really come up with an analog it's just real low and 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 uh malleable and yeah it's weird where did was there any influence that that your voice is based on like where did that come from i'm, I'm really influenced vocally by jeff buckley i really really Ooh. really love his voice and just the way he uses it as an instrument and well i mean a voice is an instrument but he just uses it he uses it for, to his fullest capabilities and i mm. that's what i really wanted to do i just was really influenced by him and the way he like hits those low notes and just everything mm. sounds perfect <laughs> Yeah, I see that. I hear that. Like, um, it's it's the way it's like a it's like a waver. I'm not sure what it is, but he his voice is a little bit like I don't know. It like bends around his notes, and he uses it really dramatically. And I can totally hear that in the way that you say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. He's a huge influence for me. Yeah, yeah I can. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was reading that excellent. Uh, Write up that uh, KXP did for the new single, yeah. uh, and the essay that you wrote as well. Wonderfully done. Um, I always find that KXP is always quick to jump to Kurt Cobain uh, comparisons. They love it. Yeah, they love that shit, and it's flattering. Obviously, I find it's a little limiting just because it's <laughs> like there, there's so many different other artists that are in Seattle that that oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. I definitely agree. I think it's yeah. all because I'm just a nirvana like fanboy and i <laughs> and i just for some reason they're still my favorite band and i just i, I think i think they know that but yeah they, they <laughs> pull it out they try to like pull that out of that but i don't i don't feel like nirvana is my only influence from for the sound i have i really don't i feel mm. like there's so much more to I don't know. I, I don't even really like grunge music as much as people think I do. I just <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It's I, a thing that it comes into the labeling thing. I'm not sure. It's like that, I feel like when an artist comes out of Seattle, there there is a weird pull to sort of start to link that to some kind of legacy. Yeah. You know, especially a place like KXP which which are actively trying to make Seattle's music scene still feel mythological. Mm-hmm. I feel like they try to pull that up. Definitely you know, a little bit, yeah. And I definitely hear the grunge influence 
in that music. Cause I feel like, I feel like a lot of that is just sort of inescapable. A lot of the stuff that I hear coming out of this city has that, that, and some people try to lean into it more than others, obviously like um, the black tones put out Cobain and cornbread yeah. uh, last year. And that was very consciously name dropping that. Yeah. Sort exactly. of slotting that, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Are you native to Seattle? Um, I lived here when I was a kid from like, I think I was 12 to uh, eight, 17. And then I moved to Idaho. I'm not from Seattle. Like I wasn't born here or anything, but mm. Idaho, then I moved to Alabama. Then I moved back to Washington when I turned uh, 20. I don't remember how old I was. I think I was 23 or 24. Mm. That's, yeah, I find there are yeah. so many people that move around that age because it's just time for a change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I, I was the same way. I moved here when I was 23. Okay. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense, you know. But I I mean, and obviously there are reasons for people to move and stuff like that. But it, it is funny how the music that you make right now just sort of subconsciously fits into that old Seattle sound just based on obviously the influences, you know, Nirvana being one of them, you know, I feel like, I mean, I started out here as a musician and I loved Nirvana and I loved the scene, you know, I'm sort of the same way. And just the idea of, of rubbing shoulders with a legacy like Kurt Cobain's, I think is just super, super appealing for a lot of people, Mm. you know, and then some people get closer than others, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that is one of those really appealing ideas where it's like I can represent in a way that this person did. Yeah. You know? I just want to write good songs like that. That's really it. I just really want to write good pop songs like he did. And that's really, mm. that's why I'm inspired by him because he just wrote great pop music and I mm-hmm. love it. So. That, that does come down to why Kurt Cobain has been such uh, an extraordinary influence is because he really did capture like the ubiquity of pop music, but just done a certain way. And exactly. I feel like anybody that's attempting to do that, like find a pop angle in this way that's not what pop is supposed to be. Like exactly. there's there's the Kurt Cobain from Insolence right there and it's super appreciated, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I'm trying to think, are there, in that definition, I guess, are there any other artists that would be technically doing the same thing? I feel like we're going through a weird, like noise pop renaissance a little bit over the last few years yes. you know just in a whole bunch of different ways like have you ever listened to black dresses i haven't actually. yeah you should check them out um uh, they're not a band anymore unfortunately but they put out an ep it was an ep it was an album in 2017 called waste isolation and it was two uh it's it was a duo of friends i think and then over the last few years they just put out more and more records i think they put out four in general I forget if it was early this year or late last year where they put out their most recent album called Peaceful as Hell. And then they just broke up because they, it was real controversial. They got big and then they got too big. And then there were, there were uh, TikTok users that were using their material in ways that they found were offensive. So they were like, we're going to stop this. Oh, yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, they both, the thing behind the band is that they were both survivors of sexual assault. I believe. And then so their music, they aimed to sort of evoke that feeling of like, of intense discomfort Mm -hmm. and catharsis. Like that's what they were aiming for. And so they had that angle of like 
of noise pop. And, and what they did had, um, you know, previous influences, like they were basically post-industrial a little bit. Like they used noise in a way that was genuinely shocking and, and, but, but still catchy, you know? Wow. And so I feel like we're going to see a lot of black dresses influence like, uh, further down the line, considering that they're a broken up band now. That's really cool, though. I, I need to check them out. Yeah, oh, they're so good. Are, is there anybody that you're listening to right now that uh, you're liking at the moment? I really I really have been listening to a lot of older stuff, like television. And, um, mm. Frank Zappa. For some reason, I'm like, in a really weird Frank Zappa mood. Ooh, ooh. You know, I haven't actually checked out a lot of Frank Zappa. I did a piece um, for my Patreon last week on uh, Captain Beefheart's... Uh, Oh yeah, Trout Replica Mask. Oh yeah, Trout Mask Replica. <laughs> Shit. I love that fucking album. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so strange. <laughs> oh, weird. And he wrote. It's, it's just amazing that he wrote all of that like um, um, on purpose and everything just planned out. Everything yeah. really particular for that album, and it's just all over the place. I love it. Did you hear? Do you know about the story behind that record? Uh, I don't know. So like, it's so strange. He essentially wrote all of the songs on piano which he had never played before just just like here's some here's some melody i'm just gonna plink it out on pianos and then his drummer john french the drummer was the guy that took all of those pieces and arranged them onto what would be considered like a composition like it's stuff that could be on sheet music and then he and his bandmates were holed up in a house for like i think it was six to eight months and they survived on almost no money. Like there was a guy who like, one of them would live on like a cup of soybeans a day. And they had so little money that they had to like steal from the grocery store and then they got arrested and then Beefheart had to bail them out and stuff. And like just, wow. yeah, they literally would just practice for like 10 to 12 hours a day. Sometimes they would just go to sleep on the floor of where they practiced and then just wake up and do it again. That's fucking amazing. Literally like, like pure masochism in a record. And then they record the whole thing in like six hours and then Beefheart came in and performed his vocals, but he performed them to the studio mix that he would only hear through a window. <laughs> like he didn't have headphones on. That's why it just sounds all desynced and stuff when he was singing it. Like, I think I heard about that part. Yeah. Yeah. And then why Frank Zappa so was like, Zappa was like, well, I, I can't say no. I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants to. But like <laughs> he would see um, Beefheart do all these questionable decisions. He's like, I, I, want to say no but i can't because that that was our deal like i'll let you do whatever the hell you want to you know man i love that record are there any other frank zappa records that you would recommend to me because i haven't listened to a lot of mother's invention or anything Garage. i also like um i really i don't really know what album this is on oh hot rats is a great great fucking record hot, hot rats. rats yeah that's um i think that's i don't think that's frank zappa i think that's uh, the mother's of invention is it i don't know yeah, his band yeah but I'm going to look it up. Again. Oh, that actually is a solo album by Frank Zappa. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's a great album. That's a great album. But I've Interesting. I've been listening to a lot of Frank Zappa and Mother's Invention, so I'm kind of getting the albums mixed up. But yeah. Joe's Garage is great. Um, there's a song that Frank Zappa has called uh, called uh, Black Napkins, and that's that guitar riff is truly the best, the best fucking, oh, my God. Holy shit. Okay, that alone makes me want to go check it out. Because I'm so down for, like, a, a guitar riff from that era. And from that era, obviously, everything's so new. So it, it'll come out of nowhere. Like, I love shit like that. 
like right at the end of uh, Trout, Ras- Trout Mask Replica, there's a song called um, Veterans Day Poppy. And it's oh. like a it's like a two part song. And the last part is like this weird, oddly structured, like incredibly beautiful, like almost post punk riff, which is dumb because post punk, not even punk was a thing back in uh, 69. <laughs> but like, but it sounds like it could have come out of any post punk band from like the late 70s. Yeah, you know? I, I really love that album. Yeah. So oh. great. And it's so hard to describe. Like as I was writing that piece, I was like, well, what the fuck do I say? Like it's it's so you you even now I hesitate to actually describe what it sounds like. Yeah, you know, it's really it's really truly just abstract beautiful art. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, but even that is like if you just say abstract and beautiful without without hearing the album, you I would think like oh it's like ambient music you know mm-hmm. or like something like it sounds like it sounds like three different guitars playing different things, but they all sound like they're supposed to be. It's hard to describe, you know? It's just warped, warped beauty. There's also another album called Freak Out by Mothers of Invention. That's really good. And Ooh. I think there's one called Mr. Meats, and that's great. Oh shit. Yeah. Alright, this is a this is a this is a lot to take in. I'm gonna I'm going to I don't wanna be wrong. Hold on. <laughs> no, please don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um but, um on on like Joe's garage, I kind of hate the album cover because he was like doing blackface, but it's a good. Oh album. yeah, fucking Christ, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Uncle Meat. It's on Uncle Meat. Uncle Meat. Okay. Really good. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, while we're on the cover of album art, um, so I noticed that the stuff that you've released, at least the stuff that I've seen on Bandcamp, all has this strange. I don't want to reuse the word Salvador Dali because I feel like he's overused, but that surrealist um, kind of almost body horror uh, concept that it sort of infiltrates all of your album art. Like the cover of Stay Evil, for example, is kind of like Picasso on bath salts. Yeah. A little bit. I love that description. That's great. <laughs> is there any, uh, is there any reason why you're sort of consciously linking that surrealism to your work in general? There's not really a reason. I just really love art that just looks pretty fucked up. I, I, I mm. just want, I just kind of want that. Uh, I don't know. Just, I, I really, I really like, uh, just like you said, body horror kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind it of, makes a mark. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you look at it and then you remember it. Cause it's just like, especially if it's well done, you know, yeah. cause you can throw like a bunch of limbs or whatever onto it. But like, to me, Again, not to bring it up again, but it, like it does sort of re- reference the old Seattle, like the late '80s, like when when the old sub pop when it, they were all doing like the sort of same kind of body horrorish, like acid based, yeah. you know. Yeah, the, I feel like State Evil's album album cover does look kind of like acid based. Like it something. does, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, super into it. It adds a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I really, I really um, didn't realize uh because my the, the sellout album cover um i didn't realize what, what it was going to look like until i until i actually like received it so mm. going that direction would stay evil too just just faces being all manipulated and fucked up mm. was it a contracted piece what'd you say did, was it a contract like did you commission it yeah um i actually i actually um asked my friend a friend i met off tumblr actually I, she's a really cool artist and, or they, I think, I think they're pronouns today. They're a really cool artist. And, uh, I asked them if they would be down to, 
do an album for me or an album cover for me and listen to my music while they were doing it. So, cool. yeah. Yeah. So did they listen to the music and then paint the, the uh, album art afterwards? Yep. yep. Wow, that's fucking sweet. No, I thought that's, it was so cool too. That I think is how you should do it. Like that is ideal. Like have art that is influenced by the music. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. that's, I, it just turned out exactly how I pictured it. And I, I love that album cover. Stay Evil is a little bit different. I, I was looking around Instagram for good artists that I just, just some weird surreal artists that I, I liked. And I found uh, this artist called Wayne Worse. Mm. And he's, he, he does some really weird shit. Really weird shit. But this this cover I saw, I was just like, that that has to be that has to be Sable's cover. <laughs> it looks kind of classic, like the way it's painted. It's it looks like an oil painting. It, I think it is. Bit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's got that 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 not archaic. What is it? Classic. It's got like that classic. Like it it feels like it could have been painted back during like Van Gogh's period. Yeah, you know? like there is something very like not modern about it, which is cool. Definitely, I really mm. love. It. I'm really stoked about it. Yeah. Um, oh, Christ. Album art, album art really can make or break uh, really a record sometimes. Oh, my God. It really can. I've, yeah. There's a... Oh, my God. Do you know who Danny Brown is? Oh, yeah. Danny Brown, the rapper. Um, I didn't listen to one of his albums for so long because I hated the album cover. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was it? I think it was... Um, hold on. I'm, I think it was... Uh, what the fuck is it? The hybrid? Is that it? The hybrid. Yeah, it's called the hybrid. I think it might be like a, I don't know, mixtape. I don't know. It's no, it's it's a it's an album. It's just. The, oh, it's yeah. It's it was his debut. Wow, that is really bad cover art. <laughs> oh my god. Great album though. Like I finally listened to it. and I was like, this is. You should. Why? Why was this album cover? <laughs> I have a sick fascination with bad cover art. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just well, it's funny too because I think a lot of um, hip hop and rap in general, I think, will really lean toward a specific aesthetic, especially the old hip hop. You know, oh. like it'll be like clip art, like obviously photoshopped in flames and stuff. And I think there's something very definitive about that. You know, it really is great though. I, yeah. I really love love album covers that look just kind of fucked up. But yeah. that album cover, I was like, why? This one, it's it's basic. Well, it's a robot with a backwards Detroit cap, but with a with some, but it's just ugh, it, ugh, God, it reminds me of like Prince's later records, like oh, how it yeah. is just like cheap. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Have you terrible? Have you ever seen? You know, I went on a tear lately, and I used to be really into like modern guitar heroes, like uh, Steve Vai and uh, Joe Satriani when I was in high school. And I went back and looked at Steve Vai's uh, most recent cover art. Oh my god, it's it's some of the worst. St- oh my god, it's it's the taste level is unquestionably bad. But it's like it's one of those things where I think Steve Vai and and people of that of that guitar forward like guitar hero culture are very much in like a weird like anachronistic time period where they. There are certain qualities of album records that were very popular in an era like the '80s that don't really work in like the 2000s, 2010. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, where it's just stuff going on everywhere, and you have no idea where it's coming from. What's some of your favorite album art that you can think of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm, my favorite album art. Let's mm. see. 
or at least something that you think of where it's just like the moment you think of that album, you're like, ooh, that album art was so good. I, I honestly, I'm trying to, uh. <laughs> I think for me personally, if I could start, um, yeah, there do. is a record called Quarantine, which is apt, <laughs> I guess now, but it was released by an electronic artist named Laurel Halo in 2012 uh, on Hyperdub Records. And if you look it up, if you look at the album art, it is, you look at it and you sort of automatically know what the album is going to sound like. It's very like Ghost in the Shell, like Yoko Kano influenced, like kind of like tech electronics, but it's also got this air of doom about it. And it's, it's a breakup record, but it's also a very like heavy depressed record, but it also sounds like, like Japanese for like, again, Yoko Kano inspired electronics, like, and that cover art is fucking brilliant. That up. Wait, what is it called again? Uh, Quarantine by Laurel Halo. Okay. Yeah. And I recommend everyone who's listening to go check it out yourself and then check out that record because it's so good. I I'm think I actually have a, a review of it on the site. If anyone wants to check that out. Album covers of all time is Live Evil by Miles Davis. That's a really good one. Live Evil? Yeah, Live Evil. By Miles Davis. I'm going to oh. check this one out. Ooh, all right. Yeah, that's good. It's wow. It, it does feel very of a piece with like Bitches Brew and, and that era of Miles Davis, which is very like, yeah, I see it. Wow, that is wild. It's really cool. Yeah. I love that album art. I, I, I like a lot of uh, simple album art too, like um, like Jeff Buckley's Grace. I really like how he's just in the front just with the microphone. And mm -hmm. and just just doing, doing it. Like it's all him. Yeah. You know? exactly. I'm looking up at a. Uh, that moral halo yeah album, you know? oh that looks so cool too it's so cool well you look at it and you're like oh that's cool and then you look at it again and you're like oh <laughs> well, there's something there's something real deep and kind of fucked up about it but like it's cool but it makes you feel something that's like oh that's strange that's so fucking cool yeah Beautiful. man i love that record cover <laughs> this is great for an audio podcast, but I, I recommend all you guys go check out this stuff because all of these records are fantastic, obviously. Oh, Uncle Meat has a cool album art. Album art cover. Oh, yeah, Uncle Meat. Yeah, that has actually pretty, a pretty cool album art. Do you go by Mr. Meat or just Uncle? I think Uncle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, holy shit. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know if you know of this band, but have you ever heard of the, the band Nurse with Wound? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. this record cover reminds me a little bit of the his, because he used to do all the art and Nurse with Wound, Stephen Stapleton has almost maybe a hundred records to his name. He just would keep releasing music since the seventies, but they're mm -hmm. all like really phantasmagorical, like actually disturbing, like, I, I, I'm, it's hard to describe, but they're they're basically like scenes out of a nightmare. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so that sort of reminds me. I, I see the influence now. Yeah. Same person make them, or is it just a different artist all the time? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but oh my god, yeah, his, their album covers are amazing. They are. Have you ever listened to the music? Yes. Yes. <sighs> Sometimes it's hard to get through. It's, actually, I I don't know. I feel like it it helps me get. A lot. It helps me get creative when I listen to them. Really I like good. that. Yeah. yeah. I listen to just fucked up shit when I yeah. want to feel creative. Have you ever listened to Throbbing Gristle? I have. Oh, yeah. man. 
<laughs> that stuff is, and again, it's like, I have a sick fascination with it because there's not a lot that scares me, but mm-hmm. something about works like that, where like sonic glitches and stuff like that, like really get under my skin. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. I think I was just scared of the TV when I was a kid or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah. and something about that is just, it's hard for me to listen to stuff like Throbbing Gristle and like actual oh, yeah. like, classic industrial. No, yeah, it is kind of hard to listen to. Yeah, but it's creative, creative fire starter, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, oh my god. There's also one more. I'm I'm like scrolling through my music right now. One one more uh, album album cover I like. It's uh, Who do Locust, tell? Locust Abortion Technician by. Oh, Buckle. by uh, yeah, Buttholes. That's a, the that's a butthole good. surfers. Great. Um, it's a great album cover. I love that mm. one. I remember reading, um, I just got through, um, our band could be your life. Oh, and, nice. uh, yeah, they had a chapter on the butthole surfers and I had not really known a lot about them. Uh, I know that I used to play guitar hero when I was a teenager and, uh, they had a song on guitar Hero too, and that's all really, I knew about them. Yeah. They so, had, I think it was pepper on there. Mm, man, they, uh, they, uh, had some wild shows. I, I fucking bet. Yeah. Man. I mean, and the thing is, is that I feel like the way that it's described in the book, which if, if anybody hasn't read Our Band Could Be Your Life, it is a worthwhile read for sure. Read that, but I've heard of it. Yeah. It's basically a compilation of a whole bunch of bands who started the a certain DIY indie underground movement in the okay. 80s and stuff. Like it starts with Black Flag and the founding of SST, and then it goes into like the post uh, grunge move. I mean, the pre-grunge movement, like... Uh, Sonic Youth and replacements and all that. Yeah. Fat Dinosaur Jr. Fascinating stuff. Cool. Yeah. But the way that they describe the butthole surfer shows in that book is so wild. Like one of those things where they really go forward with the, you had to be there to believe it angle. Mm-hmm. Like apparently they just hired just like a whole bunch of people to like strip during their shows and like body paint and oh. stuff and like bodily fluids. And like, they would just, they would go absolutely nuts to the point where it was like, I don't know what I'm even here for. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Apparently. I, I don't know whether or not any of their old shows are on YouTube or not. They're, they were wild dudes. I, I'm, I'm like sure they did all of that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, oh, and I, if you ever read that book and you're reading that chapter, man, the stories of them being on tour, like essentially they would just hire people because it was a big band. And they would hire people and the, the tour bus would basically just be like a mattress and that's it. And they just lived in absolute squalor and like just take acid constantly. And like, it was basically like, uh, again, that, that, that word masochism, it basically was masochism being in that band. If you were one of those studio musicians who were like, I'll play with the butthole surfers. And then you had to like be a certain kind of person to actually be in that band because it was grueling. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Shit like that fascinates me. Yeah, me too. Holy yeah. Shit. Um, so I want to talk, getting off topic a little bit, I want to talk about, so you mentioned that you've been playing a crap ton of shows after sellout, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were just shows after show, after show, after show. Oh, um, yeah. and then obviously this fucking COVID hit and then things, you know, yeah, it sucks. Right. That sucks a lot. Yeah. Um, I know you played a show at the central saloon in February, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, um... I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. It's the Central Saloon. Yeah. I, I do actually remember playing a solo show. and Yeah, yeah, I think I did. I think I played a solo show for my friend's birthday party. Oh, yeah, cool. I love yeah. that shit. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 
I know that in the middle of June, you played a solo show at the Chop, which uh, the footage is, I mean, some of the footage of the songs is graciously captured by Emily Pothist, and, or yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, on Twitter. And I wasn't there to see the show, but I did see the footage. Great, obviously, no energy lost at all, you know. Oh, that's great to hear. I was having guitar troubles at, at that. that uh... Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> it's, complete, it's completely out of your control sometimes. Exactly. And it wasn't yeah. really for it to sound good. I was just trying to make a statement and that mm. was, I wasn't Was that one of the days where they had a lot of people like segmented to play? Like, was it like a festival lineup or was it just you? Was it, yeah. were there any other artists or was it just you? There was other artists. There were, there were other musicians and other speakers. Like we, we, somebody would speak and then someone would play music and then it would just go in that order. Cool. Who put that all together? Um, this, these, uh, this band called King Youngblood. They're a really cool band, and they um they put that together. Uh, I think it was other people as well, but they they did a, a significant amount of work for that that event. Fuck yeah. yeah! It it does. It's one of those things where it does sort of feel like a once in a lifetime moment. You know, it, really, it truly did feel like that, and it yeah. it, it, it was really kind of surreal being up there. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening, and I wasn't used to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Seriously, though, the, the, the environment in the chop around that time was just unlike anything I think that a lot of people who lived in Seattle had seen in a long, long time. Definitely. And that's so special. It really was special. Yeah. But um, chop has a lot of a lot of things I, I like about it and a lot of things I hated about it. But yeah, that, I think that was the general consensus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sad to see it go. But also, you know, it's one of those things where it just at some point it wasn't working out. Yeah, it was it was never the goal. So yeah, right. I remember when it was. I remember when it was founded, because um, mm-hmm. I remember watching the live streams one night and just sort of being like, "Oh wow, this is happening," you know. Yeah. And then and then just obviously it sort of appeared out of nowhere, you know. There wasn't like an organized it like happened. drive to do it. It just happened, and then people started taking it over and, and making it something, you know. A lot of like a lot of people kind of just just kind of ruined it. Yeah, yeah, honestly. I think it was a lot of factors, honestly. You know, yeah, I agree. It, it doesn't, it didn't help that there was, it sucks because when there are so many occupied protests like that, that happen uh, across history, like well, Occupy Wall Street, for example, or like um, what happened with the WTO organization protests in the 90s, oh, you know, yeah. like it, it doesn't help that there is somebody who is in power right now and people who are in power who are actively starting to denigrate it and like yeah. I, I mean I, I fucking swear to god if I heard one more opinion about the chop from somebody who didn't live in Seattle oh my I was god. gonna lose my fucking mind like exactly. so that didn't help at all like there was already this weird this weird like we have to fight this 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 notion that people who don't live in the city have of what this is. But then there's also a lot of people who have certain ideas about that, that just sort of all these ideas floating around that, that there was no real organized leadership around that. And that's sort of how. Yeah. Uh, fucking sucks. But it was good while it lasted. It was. Yeah. You know? There were really good parts to it. There were very good parts to it. And I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're still fighting, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's a lifetime of a fight we're, we're, we're not going to stop fighting for a while exactly exactly you know mm-hmm. oh, oh my god all right so let me see i wonder if there's anything else i want to ask about 
I think I got everything I needed. <laughs> and this, I feel like this is one of those podcasts that's for me just as much as it is for people who are listening, just because when I, when I find a band I really like, I want to know about it. I, I don't know. It feels kind of selfish to me, but like, to me, I like, I like to hear from it first from, from the artist. So Definitely. I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast and talking. Thank you yeah. for having me. It's been telling. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that your days continue to be good. All things considering. Yeah, I hope your days are great too. Thank you. And people, go check out Black Ends. Um, their EP is out today. Um, it's going to be sweet. I can already tell. And uh, go check out all the rest of Black Ends' work. Sell out uh, that song you put out. What I believe it was called. Yep. Yep. Oh. Go. Fuck yeah. Go check that out. Um, and go check out everything on tapedeckpodcast.com. We put out stuff. I've put out stuff lately because I've been panicking daily, but. Uh, we'll be putting out more stuff lately. If you feel like supporting us, go check out our Patreon. We've got lots of stuff on there. Nicole, thank you again so much for being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I hope you guys have a really good Friday. Stay safe. Have a good day. Bye.